we present Monkey. An abridged translation of the great Chinese classic Journey to the West, written by Wu Chung-un, translated by Arthur Whaley, and narrated by Bob Jones. Chapter 15 It was midwinter, a fierce north wind was blowing, and icicles hung everywhere. Their way took them up precipitous cliffs and across ridge after ridge of jagged mountain. Presently, Tripitaka heard the roaring of a torrent and asked Monkey what this river might be. I remember, said Monkey, that there is a river near here called the Eagle Grief Stream. A moment later, they came suddenly to the riverside, and Tripitaka reined in his horse. They were looking down at the river, when suddenly there was a swirling sound, and a dragon appeared in midstream. Churning the waters, it made straight for the shore, clambering up the bank, and had almost reached them when Monkey dragged Tripitaka down from the horse, and turning his back to the river, hastily threw down the luggage and carried the master up the bank. The dragon did not pursue them, but swallowed the horse, harness and all, and then plunged once more into the stream. Meanwhile, Monkey had set down Tripitaka upon a high mound, and gone back to recover the horse and luggage. The luggage was there, but the horse had disappeared. He brought up the luggage to where Tripitaka was sitting. The dragon has made off, he said. The only trouble is that the horse has taken fright and bolted. How are we to find it? asked Tripitaka. Just wait while I go and have a look, said Monkey. He sprang straight up into the sky, and shading his fiery eyes with his hand, he peered down in every direction, but nowhere was the least sign of the horse. He lowered his cloud trapeze. I can't see it anywhere, he said. There is only one thing that can have happened to it. It has been eaten by the dragon. Now, monkey, what can you be thinking of? said Tripitaka. It would have to have a big mouth indeed to swallow a large horse, harness and all. It is much more likely that it bolted and is hidden by a fold of the hill. You had better have another look. Master, you underrate my powers, said Monkey. My sight is so good that in daylight I can see everything that happens a thousand leagues around. Within a thousand leagues, a gnat cannot move its wings without my seeing it. How could I fail to see a horse? Well, suppose it has been eaten, said Tripitaka. How am I to travel? It's a great deal too far to walk. And as he spoke, his tears began to fall like rain. Don't make such an object of yourself, shouted Monkey, infuriated by this exhibition of despair. Just sit here while I go and look for the wretch and make him give us back the horse. You can't do anything unless he comes out of the water, said Tripitaka, and if he does, it will be me that he will eat this time. You're impossible, impossible, thundered Monkey, angrier than ever. 
You say you need the horse to ride, and yet you won't let me go and recover it. At this rate, you'll sit here staring at the luggage forever. He was still storming when a voice spoke out of the sky, saying, Monkey, do not be angry. Priest of Tang, do not weep. We divinities have been sent by Quen Yin to protect you in your quest. Tripitaka at once did obeisance. Which divinities are you? cried Monkey. Tell me your names and I'll tick you off on the roll. Here present are Lu Ting and Lu Cha, they said. The guardians of the five points, the four sentinels and the eighteen protectors of monasteries. We attend upon you in rotation. And which of you are on duty this morning? asked Monkey. Lu Chia, one sentinel, and the protectors are on duty, they said. And the golden-headed guardian is always somewhere about night and day. Those who aren't on duty can retire, said Monkey. But Lu Ting, the sentinel of the day, and all the guardians had better stay and look after the master while I go to the river and look for that dragon and see if I can get him to return the horse. Tripitaka, feeling somewhat reassured, sat down on the bank, begging Monkey to be careful. Don't you worry about me, said Monkey. Dear Monkey, he tightened the belt of his brocade jacket, hitched up his tiger skin, grasped his iron cudgel, and going straight down to the water's edge, called in a loud voice, Cursed fish, give me back my horse. The dragon was lying quietly at the bottom of the river, digesting the white horse. But hearing someone cursing him and demanding his prey, he fell into a great rage and leapt up through the waves, crying, Who is it that dares make such a hullabaloo outside my premises? Stand your ground, hissed Monkey, and give me back my horse. He brandished his cudgel and struck at the dragon's head. The dragon advanced upon him with open jaws and threatening claws. It was a valiant fight that those two had on the banks of the river. To and fro they went, fighting for a long while, hither and thither, round and round. At last the dragon's strength began to fail. He could hold out no longer, and with a rapid twist of the tail, he fled from the encounter and disappeared in the river. Monkey, standing on the bank, cursed and taunted him unceasingly, but he turned a deaf ear. Monkey saw nothing for it but to go back and report to Tripitaka. Master, he said, I taunted him till he came out and fought many bouts, and in the end he took fright and ran away. He is now at the bottom of the river and won't come out. We are still not sure whether he did swallow the horse, said Tripitaka. How can you say such a thing, said Monkey? If he hadn't eaten it, why should he have come out and answered my challenge? The other day, when you dealt with that tiger, said Tripitaka, you mentioned that you could also subdue dragons. I don't understand why you are having such difficulties with this dragon today. To such a taunt as this, no one could be more sensitive than Monkey. 
Not another word, he cried, stung to the quick. I'll soon show you which is master. He strode to the streamside and used a magic which stirred up the clear waters of the river till they became as turbulent as the waves of the Yellow River. The dragon soon became very uncomfortable as he lay at the bottom of the stream. Misfortunes never come singly, he thought to himself. Hardly a year has passed since I barely escaped with my life from the Tribunal of Heaven and was condemned to this exile. And now I have fallen foul of this cursed monster who seems determined to do me injury. The more he thought, the angrier he became. At last, determined not to give in, he leapt up through the waves and gnashing his teeth, he snarled, what monster are you, and where do you come from, that you dare affront me in this fashion? Never mind where I come from, or don't come from, said Monkey. Just give me back my horse, or you shall pay for it with your life. Your horse, said the dragon, is inside me. How am I to give it back to you? And anyhow, if I don't, what can you do to me? Have a look at this cudgel, said Monkey. If you don't give me back the horse, you shall pay for it with your life. Again they fought upon the bank, and after several rounds the dragon could hold out no longer, made one great wriggle, and, changing itself into a water snake, disappeared into the long grass. Beating the grass with his cudgel, Monkey pranced wildly about, trying to track it down, but all in vain. At last, fuming with impatience, he uttered a loud um. as a secret summons to the spirits of the locality. In a moment, they were kneeling before him. Hold out your shanks, said Monkey, and I'll give you each five strokes with the cudgel just to relieve my feelings. Great sage, they besought him, pray give us a chance to put our case to you. We had no idea that you had been released from your penance, or we should have come to meet you before. We humbly beg you to forgive us. Very well then, said Monkey, you shan't be beaten. But answer me this, where does this dragon come from who lives in the Eagle Grief River? Why did he swallow my master's white horse? Great sage, they said, in old days you had no master, and indeed refused obedience to any power in heaven or earth. What do you mean by your master's horse? After I got into trouble about that affair in heaven, said Monkey, I had to do penance for five hundred years, but now I have been taken in hand by the Bodhisattva Quen Yin, and put in charge of a priest who is going to India to fetch scriptures. I was travelling with him as his disciple when we lost my master's horse. If you want to catch this dragon, surely your best plan would be to get the Bodhisattva to come and deal with it, they said. There used not to be any dragon here, and it is she who sent it. They all went and told Tripitaka of this plan. How long shall you be? he asked. 
Shan't I be dead of cold or starvation before you come back? While he spoke, the voice of the golden-headed guardian was heard saying from the sky, None of you need move a step. I will go and ask the Bodhisattva. Much obliged, said Monkey. Pray, go at once. The guardian soared up through the clouds and made straight for the southern ocean. Monkey told the local deities to look after the master and the sentinels to supply food. Then he went back to the banks of the river. What have you come for? asked the Bodhisattva when the golden-headed guardian was brought to her where she sat in her bamboo grove. The priest of Tang, said he, has lost his horse at the Eagle Grief River. It was swallowed by a dragon, and the great sage sent me for your help. That dragon, said Quen Yin, is a son of the Dragon King of the Western Ocean. By his carelessness, he set fire to the magic pearls in the palace, and they were destroyed. His father accused him of subversive intents, and the tribunal of heaven condemned him to death. I saw the Jade Emperor about it, and asked that the sentence might be commuted if the dragon consented to carry the priest of Tang on his journey to India. I cannot understand how he came to swallow the horse. I'll come and look into it. She got down from her lotus seat, left her fairy cave, and riding on a beam of magic light, crossed the southern sea. When she came near the river of Eagle Grief, she looked down and saw Monkey on the bank, uttering ferocious curses. She sent the guardian to announce her arrival. Monkey at once sprang into the air and shouted at her. A fine teacher of the seven Buddhas! A fine founder of the faith of mercy you are to plot in this way against us! You impudent stableman, you half-witted red-bottom, said Bodhisattva. After all the trouble I have taken to find someone to fetch scriptures and tell him to redeem you, instead of thanking me, you make a scene like this. You've played a fine trick on me, said Monkey. You might in decency, when you let me out, have allowed me to go round and amuse myself as I pleased. But you gave me a dressing down, and told me I was to spend all my time and energy in looking after this Tang priest. Very well, but why did you give him a cap that he coaxed me into putting on, and now I can't get it off, and whenever he says some spell or other, I have frightful pains in my head. Oh, monkey, laughed Quen Yin. If you were not controlled in some such way as this, there would be no doing anything with you. Before long, we should have you at all your old tricks again. It's no good trying to put the blame on me, said Monkey. How comes it that you put this dragon here, after he had been condemned by the courts, and let him eat my master's horse? It was you who put it in his way to continue his villainies here below. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. I specially asked the Jade Emperor, said Quen Yin, to let this dragon be stationed here 
so that he might be used to carry the master on his way to India. No ordinary Chinese horse would be able to carry him all that way. Well, now he is frightened of me and is hiding, said Monkey. So, what is to be done? Quen Yin called the golden-headed guardian and said to him, Go to the edge of the river and cry, Third son of the Dragon King, come out. The Bodhisattva is here. He'll come out, all right. The dragon leapt up through the waves and immediately assumed human form. Don't you know that this is the scripture seeker's disciple? Quen Yin said, pointing at Monkey. Bodhisattva, said the young dragon. I've been having a fight with him. I was hungry yesterday and ate his horse. He never once mentioned anything about scripture-seeking. You never asked my name, said Monkey, so why should I tell you? Didn't I ask you what monster you were and where you came from, asked the dragon, and didn't you shout at me, never mind where I came from or didn't come from, but just give me back my horse? You never so much as mentioned the word tongue. Monkey is fonder of showing off his own powers than mentioning his connection with other people, said Quen Yin. But in future, if anyone questions him, he must be sure to say that he is seeking scriptures. Then there will be no more trouble. The Bodhisattva then went to the dragon and removed the jewel of wisdom from under his chin. Then she took her willow spray and sprinkled him all over with sweet dew, and blowing upon him with magic breath cried, CHANGE! Whereupon the dragon immediately changed into the exact image of the lost horse. She then solemnly called upon the once dragon to turn from his evil ways and promised that when his task was ended he should be given a golden body and gain illumination. The young dragon humbled himself and promised faithfully to do as he was bid. Then she turned to go, but Monkey grabbed at her, crying, This is not good enough. The way to the west is very bad going, and it would be difficult enough, in any case, to get an earthly priest over all those precipices and crags. But if we are going to have encounters like this all the time, I shall have hard work keeping alive at all, let alone any thought of achieving salvation. I'm not going on. That's odd, said the Bodhisattva, because in the old days you used to be very keen on obtaining illumination. I am surprised that, having escaped from the punishment imposed upon you by heaven, you should be so unwilling to take a little trouble. When you get into difficulties, you have only to call upon earth, and earth will perform its miracles. If need be, I will come myself to succour you. And by the way, come here, I'm going to endow you with one more power. She took the willow leaves from her willow spray, and dropping them down Monkey's back, cried, Change! At once they changed into three magic hairs. These, she said, will get you out of any trouble, however menacing. Monkey thanked the Bodhisattva, who now set out for the southern heaven, 
and taking the horse by the forelock, he led it to Tripitaka, saying, Master, here's a horse anyway. It's in much better condition than the old one, said Tripitaka. However did you manage to find it? What have you been doing all the while? Dreaming, said Monkey. The golden-headed guardian sent for Quen Yin, who changed the dragon into the exact image of our white horse. The only thing it lacks is harness. Where is the bodhisattva? asked Tripitaka, very much surprised. I should like to thank her. You're too late, said Monkey. By this time she is already crossing the southern ocean. However, Tripitaka burned incense and bowed towards the south. Then he helped Monkey to put together the luggage, and they set out. It's not going to be easy to ride a horse without saddle and reins, said Tripitaka. I'd better find a boat to get across the river, and see if I can't get some harness on the other side. That's not a very practical suggestion, said Monkey. What chance is there of finding a boat in this wild, desolate place? The horse has lived here for some time and must know his way through the waters. Just sit tight on his back and let him carry you across. They had got to the river bank, Tripitaka astride the horse and Monkey carrying the luggage, when an old fisherman appeared upstream punting a crazy old raft. Monkey waved to him, crying, We have come from the east to fetch scriptures. My master does not know how to get across and would like you to ferry him. The old man punted rapidly towards them and Monkey told Tripitaka to dismount. He then helped him on board and embarked the horse and luggage. The old man punted them swiftly across to the far side, where Tripitaka told Monkey to look in the pack for some Chinese money to give to the old fisherman. But the old man pushed off again at once, saying he did not want money. Tripitaka felt very uncomfortable and could only press together his palms in token of gratitude. Don't you worry about him, said Monkey. Didn't you see who he really is? This is the river divinity who failed to come and meet us. I was on the point of giving him a good hiding, which he richly deserved. The fact that I let him off is payment enough. No wonder he hadn't the face to take your cash. Tripitaka was not at all sure whether to believe this story or not. He got astride the horse once more and followed Monkey along the road to the west. And if you do not know where they got to, you must listen to what is told in the next chapter. You've been listening to Monkey, an abridged translation of the great Chinese classic Journey to the West, written by Wu Chung An, translated by Arthur Whaley, and narrated by Bob Jones. Mm-hmm.